Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. I'm the host and the Andrestian Emperor Ordo, and he is the loyal vassal House Vestra, Cardwiz. Build an army, trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast, and my good friend Ordo. It's been too long since we've last met to talk Fire Emblem. And since we've last met, we've learned that the future of Fire Emblem could, at least in the immediate future, come from Fire Emblem's past. We've learned some very interesting sales numbers from Nintendo. And you and I have decided that it's time to unify Foldland and talk about the Crimson Flower route. But before we do that, what have you been playing recently? I've, I've been playing a mess of games recently. Um, I think I... I've completed SD Gundam Crossrays, at least as much as I'm going to complete it. I completed all the main stories. I've gotten most of the 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 robots in the game, so I'm almost. I think I'm done with that. Um, I beat Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition and its uh, like post story that was added for this version of the Future Connected. And currently, I am playing Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Ooh, that's a lot of fun games you got going on there. With Xenoblade Chronicles, with everything they did with that re- remake, would you do you think that's a worthy buy? Because like, I I only played Xenoblade Chronicles two and like five minutes of Xenoblade Chronicles X, which I didn't really like that much. What is there any big difference between Xenoblade Chronicles one and two that could sell me or not sell me on it? I think the Xenoblade Chronicles is just a... It's, I always thought it was a fantastic RPG. I bought this game based on the music when I heard it in Smash Brothers. Uh, the battle system's like a much faster version. Um, it's a, it's The battle system's like a much faster version of FF or Final Fantasy XII's, which if you've played Final Fantasy XII, like base, not like uh, whatever the updated edition was that came out, it was a slow battle system. I hated it so much. Yeah, but this battle system moves at such a nice and quick pace. It's all about buffs and debuffs. And they, they added a casual mode, too. So, and I actually played... Actually, I played halfway through it on the normal mode. And then, I think halfway through, I was just like, I'm getting too frustrated with these battles. I'm going to switch it to casual mode. And I had a much better time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a game I recommend. Absolutely. Like, the voice acting... The English voice acting is superb. The soundtrack is amazing. I can't say good enough stuff about the first game i doubt i'll get to it because i've got a thousand other games i need to play right now and even more coming around the corner oh my goodness the end of 2020 is crazy but I, it's it's on the list it's on the list again don't know if i'll get to it but it's on the list i've got so many games to play right now i i still haven't finished final fantasy 7 i've started yakuza like a dragon which i absolutely love by the way I've started playing Hades, which is the indie roguelike game. It actually lives up to its hype. It is one of the most amazing games I've ever, ever played. But, oh, there are too many games. Like I'm enjoying freaking Watch Dogs Legion. That just came out. That's another potential 100-hour time sink, but I'm playing on my regular old base Xbox One, so it keeps crashing all the time. So I'm waiting to get a new console before I really dive into that and I'm waiting to get the new either Series X, probably Series X, before I dive into games like Cyberpunk, that uh, Greek uh, Zelda ripoff that Ubisoft did that actually looks kind of fun. Oh, Immortals Phoenix Rising? Yes, Immortal Phoenix Rising, the one that they had to change the name of a couple of months ago. I was listening to the Giant Bombcast, and they were talking about that, because they kept... Well, no, it... 
it was either the giant Bombcast or it was the easy allies podcast. And they were talking about, uh, just searching the name gods and monsters. There's, there's like 10,000 things that are just gods and monsters. So that was one of the reasons why they wanted to change it. And it, it, it's a good name change. Gods and monsters was a little too generic. Yeah. The, the end of 2020 is just too crazy. There are, this has been a horrible year for the world, but good lord, the games that are coming out are—it's—it's it's hard to find the time for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming to you live from quarantine, so I tested and I was negative, thank God. But uh, yeah. still got to hang out at the house for two weeks, which I don't know. Maybe it's going. To, maybe this is being a little bit too personal, but I've been basically wearing myself to the ground this year, <laughs> just saving vacation time in case something bad did happen. Turns out I would have been fine, you know, either way, but uh, I'm sitting on like 160 hours of vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, this came down. I was just like, oh no, but I've got that time and I've got some, I, I have ways. I'm fine basically, but, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a scare, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm chilling. I'm very happy to hear that you're feeling better or you're not feeling bad at all. Yeah. 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 Well, aside from just like the typical holiday, like stress, but again, I, I really don't have any holiday stress right now because I'm at home. <laughs> so that's good. Well, coming up pretty soon, there's a game that you could play with those hundred and something vacation hours. You could play a certain fire emblem game that is being released for the first time in America. Oh my gosh. They're doing it. They're doing it. We've got a new Fire Emblem game coming out, ladies and gentlemen, and it is the first one. You know, I really do like the uh, old Famicom rendition of that theme. <laughs> it's, um, it is a neat ditty. Yeah, uh, totally out of nowhere. I, I think I actually said this a few months ago when in our 35th or no, I'm sorry, 30th anniversary episode, and I was just like, who wants to play Busted Fire Emblem 1 on the Famicom? Because that's what they did, is they added it, or they added some special save states for the Japanese Switch Online. But this is like a whole, it's a brand new translation. It has modern features, like being able to roll back um, turns and be able to speed up the gameplay, and that, basically quality of life improvements, that just probably will make it worth playing and i gotta be honest i still think that game looks better than shadow dragon so i'm very excited to play this game yeah <laughs> it has that beautiful looking nes bright work where they're doing the best they can with what they got and i am incredibly hyped to play this game i will absolutely be downloading it when it comes out i'll get it I need, I should do that pre-order thing. I think I've got enough money to on my Switch to do that. But I I am actually looking forward to playing this insanely old Fire Emblem game, partially because I've never played it, partially because it just looks fun. I don't know if I I'm going to try to finish it, but it could have just old NES jank to it that makes me just really frustrated. But I don't know. We'll find out. I literally don't know much about the gameplay of this. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I played, um, I want to say I played the first two or three levels of it um, off a translation like a few years ago. It wasn't bad, but I think it lacks the, um, where you can't see the enemies 
movement. I think that's it. And I know it doesn't have a weapon triangle because that wasn't, uh, that didn't come around until the fourth entry. Like, are you talking about like a fog of war type of talking about enemy movements? Oh yeah. Yeah. Enemy movements. Like, I don't think you can see how far they can move towards you. I think you literally have to count. Oh, it's one of the, okay. I think that's, that's annoying, but well, I can work with that. Yeah. So with this game, I was just like, well, cause like they're coming out with like a big fancy special edition. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'll just go ahead and, you know, pre-order it off the eShop, six bucks, whatever. And a friend of mine, uh, Numi, friend of the podcast, shout out to her. She sent me a DM. She sent me a DM like 30 minutes later. She's like, here's the link. Go now. I was like, I'm like the link to what? So I clicked it and it was the Fire Emblem one special edition that comes with like an art book and, um, an NES styled cartridge and basically just the works. And it's 50, it was 50 bucks. So I went ahead threw my pre-order in it didn't get didn't get kicked out so i will have uh two copies of this game the one copy that actually comes with the special edition i will be giving away to one of our lucky listeners i have not figured out the hows or whys of it but uh keep it posted to the twitter account at emblem supports oh i really just hope this does well if, if it does well you know that's going to potentially lead to them redoing the old ones including potentially the Holy Grail for some Fire Emblem fans, Genealogy of the Holy War, and uh, if we get those old games, if we get if we get three, four, five, and six translated and brought over, because we already have two with Echoes, Shadows of Valencia, and I love that game, so I have zero desire to play the original NES version. So, uh, uh, I'm buying this, and I'm hoping that we get some more Fire Emblems passed in North America and in Europe. Uh, I'm I'm just hoping for this. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people were just like, "Oh man, now that this is coming out, it totally means it paves the way for Mother 3. I'm just like, mm, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Nintendo wants to touch that one. No, they don't. There's some, like they, there's some problematic stuff in that, from what I hear. The Mother 3 was dead and buried at that robot chicken E3. They did. <laughs> yeah. The second they made that joke, where like they had a if you don't remember, or if you didn't see that presentation, they did a robot chicken style event with a bunch of little skits, including a skit where a random nerdy fan asked Reggie, what about Mother 3? And Reggie laserized them because Reggie does have that ability. It is proven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel for the Mother mother fans, but I mean, there's been a fan translation out since 2008. That's 12, that's 12 years ago. If you really wanted to play it, you would have played it by now. That's how I feel about that. That's how I feel about any translated game or a fan translated game. If you if you really wanted to play a game that has a fan translation, you would have found the way to play it. Along with that, we got a couple of uh, three houses news here. I'm gonna um, we got some. Well, it's more than three houses, but I'm just gonna run through these right quick. Uh, three houses wins an award for excellence. Three houses has an official OST release coming out on February twelfth, twenty one. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses has now sold three million, making it the best, which I think it already surpassed Fates for that uh, seller of all time in the series. Um, Fire Emblem Three is playable on the Japanese Switch Online. The last set of Cipher cards was released a little while ago, and last but not least, relevant to my figure collecting interest, they are coming out with a one seventh scale Lin statue, which looks amazing. Showing Fire Emblem Seven some love, you know I'm always happy to see that. 
I it, I was actually surprised because the last few statues have just been the more recent entries, and I think they have they have Tharia or Tharja, however you want to say it, uh, Cordelia, and uh, what's her name from Fates, Camilla. Yeah, those are the only ones that they've released in statue form. And in figure form, you've had Edelgard, Lucina, Female Corin. Uh, I want to say there's two nin. They call them nindroid figures. They're like little small figures, and even those are just Shadow Dragon and Fate. So seeing them go outside this bubble of you know what's not those games is actually really nice. Do more, do more. Mm-hmm. But you know what they could have done more with Cardwiz. I cannot imagine what they could have done more with. It's the reason that we're here today. We're here to talk about something that they did not do more with in the Fire Emblem Three Houses game, and that is Crimson Flower. The leaders of the church have misused its creed to fulfill their true desire, to rule the world. They have fooled the people of Fodlan. Long ago, they divided the empire to create a kingdom, and then divided that kingdom to create an alliance. They did all of this to make the masses bicker amongst themselves. They caused instability in order to reinforce their own authority. They gathered gold and lived in extravagance. How? By preying on the devotion of those who wished for the goddess's salvation. Those corrupt hypocrites cannot lead Bodlin to true peace. Their foul belief system must be torn asunder so that true wisdom may finally prevail. And so, I have decided, by order of the Adrestian Emperor, Edelgard von Hressfeld, the Empire hereby declares war on the Church of Seraphs. Oh my goodness, I love Fire... We've talked about it so much. We love Fire Emblem Three Houses. It is... It's probably in both of our top three Fire Emblem games. It might be in my top ten games of all time. I love that game so much. But that Crimson Flower route is so lacking and disappointing for a multitude of reasons. Well, when you first play it, when you, if... Okay, let me put it this way. I saved... Well, no, I started with Crimson Flower. Or what you I thought, tried to start with Crimson Flower. Yeah, I tried Flower. to start with Crimson Flower. Ended up in the Silver Snow because it has a root split if you're not paying attention to things. And I wasn't paying attention to things, and I accidentally got the Silver Snow path, which I did not want. And I think it's probably it's still the worst path, even after the even after Crimson Flower. But so I was just like, okay, I'm so frustrated. So I was I was really frustrated at that, and I was just like, well, I've already seen these characters. And Silver Snow. So let me go ahead and do the other path so I can get to learn about the other characters and stuff. Then I came to Crimson Flower, the last. And man, they just... I don't know... My impression of playing this, without knowing anything, was that they ran out of resources and this is the last path that they had conceived. But, a Nintendo Dream interview, which I will link in our description, it was the first route written... It was the first scenario written, Crimson Flower. It and it feels like if it was the first one written, it feels like a rough draft that they never went back and redid. Absolutely, it, everything about Three Houses is is built around the character of Edelgard. Like the main theme song, Edge of Dawn. That's Edel. It might as well be just just be Edelgard singing. How did this happen? I I'm not sure. Like. 
Three Houses does a good job of like splitting up the lords and splitting up the main characters. So I was just like, Byleth is a little bit of a main character. Dimitri is a little bit of a main character. Ray is a little bit of a main character. Claude and Edelgard are a little bit of main characters. But in all of the buildup, judging even going back to that very first trailer years ago when they had a different voice actress for Edelgard, everything seemed to be centered around Edelgard as sort of everyone's we got three different main lords, but Edelgard is the main main lord of the three with her being the one who is narrating the trailer of what was going on. Her talking about how the crests are to blame and how the society builds around crests and, Oh, these crests are going to be the center of this entire plot. It's going to be the center of this world. We're going to see what's going on. And Edelgard is going to be the one to sort of delve into it. And I, I know personally, I was very disappointed in how the game dealt with Edelgard and her choices along the way, because there's definitely potential for Edelgard to be an amazing, deep, conflicted character, but we never see that. It feels like they were afraid to pull the trigger. And one thing I'll actually go back to just a little bit is that if you looked at the character polls leading up to the game, Edelgard, boom, she's in front as the character that people want to see. She's she's already lighting up the favorites um, everywhere. And we even see that post-game where in the Fire Emblem Choose Your Legends for the mobile title, she came in number one. In South Korea, she, <laughs> this is funny, she is both the most liked character and the second hated character at the exact same time. She has her own figure out. Like when they said, Three Houses, who are we making a figure of? They made Edelgard. Because she was popular. Based on all these pre-release polls. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons she's popular. First off, it was because she was the person who was put front and center, but Man, Edelgard is an outstanding design, and she's an axe lord. There's so many just cool things about her that just buck against all the trends of Fire Emblem Pass, where it's just like, oh, it's not a blue-haired sword lord. It's this white-haired, axe-wielding badass of a lady. What? I'm I'm in. I'm super in. It draws in people who might not have otherwise been attracted to three houses to see a character like that up front. And I think about previous female lords that we had, you know, you think about Lynn, Erica, uh, Celica, and it's just like, well, none of those or even, even female, even like corn, but you know, you can switch between genders on that one. But you think about those female lords and they're all just kind of this kind of, well, they're kind of the naive and you know, they're kind of sweet and they're nice and Edelgard. She's just, she's tough, you know? She has a completely different presentation than those other female lords. And I think that's another reason why people are just so drawn to her. Like, it's basically what you said, but... And then when you actually play that game for the first time, depending on what route you get, you find out that, oh, well, it doesn't matter what route you play, but you find out Edelgard is the Flame Emperor, and she is sort of, in three of the routes, she's the antagonist of the game. And it's just this amazing moment where she's like, I remember the first time I played, I was just like, wait, they actually pulled the trigger on this? I I actually can't believe they did that. I mean, Edelgard standing on the, the stairs of the Empire and, like, declaring war? Iconic moment, I think. There are moments in this game and in the Crimson Flower route that feel like they just did it right, and that is definitely one of them. That scene where 
where you basically make your decision for the route split and you join Edelgard to go back to Adrosia and she takes the throne from her father. That is an amazing, very cool moment. It's just what happens afterwards and where the game goes after that is what I wasn't the biggest fan of. I think we're dancing around it though. Like, so what is, what, what do you think is the core of Edelgard's character? Like when we first learn about her, like, we learn about Edelgard's backstory. If, if you spend enough time with her and get the, that, I, I think it was the C plus, I can't remember the C plus or the B support for her. C plus. It was a C plus where you find out, oh, she was exper- had horrible experiments put upon her and all of her siblings. She was the only one who survived it and it turned her hair white and it gave her two crests because Everyone was just obsessed with crests in this world and the power that they hold and all of the experimentation with blood. And it's, it's such this awful, horrific backstory and it, it can make you sympathize with her. And that is a good story. That is a good story point for her. Especially when you start off with her, with the previous support in the sea, because she wakes up because she's having nightmares about it. This is something that's traumatized her. She's one of eight, like you said. And apparently like, She's the only one that has a minor crest. And so that I think she attributes to that being the very reason that she survived. And like she was powerless to stop. She could not stop. She could sorry, she couldn't stop the people who were experimenting on her or her siblings, and neither could her father because his father had his power stripped away from him by like the nobles of the surrounding land somehow. And basically like it's it's a tragic backstory that I think you can get behind. Mm-hmm. But Edelgard seems to take all of this anger and resentment and hatred, and she directs – she wants to build up and start a war not with the nobles around her who forced the – help put the family into this situation, not towards those who slither in the dark who – we know from playing the first half of the game, oh, you guys are the bad guys. You murdered Byleth's father, and you're the one who helped do this blood experimentation situation. She directs it all her anger towards the idea of crests being power in general, and she directs all of that towards Rhea and the church. And that there is merit to that. There is some merit to that. And I could get behind it to a degree, except she kind of ignores the slither in the dark. She ignores the people who murdered by our father. She ign- almost kind of pushed that aspect to the sides and is like, I'll take care of that later. That doesn't matter right now. The church is the evil one. Rhea is the evil one. And it's just like what we see in the game from Byleth's perspective is just like, yeah, there are problems with the church, but I'm kind of worried about these people who just killed my dad. Are we? Maybe that's just me. Maybe I. Maybe I just have an aversion to want to get revenge for people who kill my dad in video games. I kind of want to tend to get then, but when you tell me that when I see you as the flame member in cutscenes working with those people, and you're telling me, eh. I know they're bad, but we can worry about them later. That just kind of ticks me off and makes me not want to side with you at all. There should have been something as the Flame Emperor where we see the Flame Emperor from from behind. We see the mask come off and we hear a voice. Maybe at like, 
maybe later on in the story because anytime you see the flame emperor like the voice has like a voice filter over it you can't i can tell it's a female voice i actually picked that up when i was wearing um headphones when i was playing one time i was like wait that's clearly a female voice but no um there should have been something where the mask the mask of the flame emperor comes off but you're viewing them from behind so you can't see them and then you hear like a voice say i'm so sorry it wasn't supposed to be like this or something like that and then you go wait a sec then the next scene that's when edelgard comes out as the flame emperor in the like the 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 downstairs place in the game we see minor like bits of disagreement between the flame emperor and talus fails whatever however we're supposed to say his name yeah we kind of see like kind of a minor disagreement with them but we we only actually see that if you play the blue lions route violet doesn't see it otherwise and then there well but if you're playing crimson flower you also see her and hubert like discussing some things too i can't remember off the top of my head what they are i guess i'll just have to play this amazing game again oh man it's it's just disappointing because there is this big obvious villain over here and edelgard's just like no let's take out this other person who i say is the villain and there are villainous tendencies to what Rhea and the church have done via crests but i'm again i'm going to go after the dad killer that's that's my villain and they just push them to the side even throughout all the whole 16 chapters of the crimson flower route 18 18 sorry my bad 18 through all of that you don't deal with those who slither in the dark when you get to the crimson flower route they get finished off screen in multiple people's endings oh and then they fought the slither in the dark and they prevailed it's just like what you cut me like i want to say i have it written down here i think it's 22 and 23 between claude and um oh what's his name dimitri's roots yeah it's it's 22 to 23 chapters for them and then you cut me down to 18 for Edelgard and we don't even deal with the main threat and even dialogue that you have with Hubert it, they may they basically make it say yeah yeah we're fi- we're going to handle these guys and once we're done with the church we won't take with them and then we're going to change the world blah 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 but you never face those that slither in the dark on this route and the thing is we know Hubert has the has the dirt on those who slither in the dark because in the silver snow and golden deer routes, Hubert straight up like leaves a death note that says, or <laughs> oh, wait a sec. Yeah. <laughs> Hubert would have a death note, Ugh. but he, he basically says after he dies. Yeah. Slither who slither in the dark is the real bad guy. Here's exactly where they are. We know where they are, but we're just not dealing with them. And it's, it would be one thing if, they were showing us that those who slither in the dark were absolutely manipulating Edelgard or just pulling the wool over her and Hubert's eyes. But we don't even see that. Well, there is a, there is a scene where the Talus basically looks over to the flame emperor who, or he looks over to Edelgard who is in the flame emperor guise. And he goes, you know, you are our greatest creation. And what they should have shown is that if Edelgard wanted to rebel, she couldn't. Because they have some sort of power over that version of the Crest of Flames that they have. Like, if Edelgard had a version of the Crest of Flames that wasn't a quote-unquote pure version, like this was a corrupted version, 
and they showed that, oh, Edelgard can't go against their wishes no matter what she does. Because they will, I don't know, like, I don't know, he'll, like, close his hand like Darth Vader does to choke somebody. And it would be the same thing here. He would close his hand and she would feel, like, immense pain or something. That's just, that's the biggest problem with I have that route, but there are still so many other problems that I have. In all three other routes of the game, we see that the Black the Black Eagles and the Adrestian Empire are just overwhelmingly winning the war in those other three timelines, in those other three branches. But in this one, it's just like, eh, we're, eh, we're fighting, kind of losing, not, not looking great. But we need the power of Violet and the Black Eagle Strike Force. This small group, that's what's going to win the war. Somehow, Violet siding with Edelgard makes it so they're unable to be dominating the war like they are in the other three branches. And that's just a weird feeling and weird dissonance because when I'm playing the game. Yeah, because Edelgard, Edelgard as a character is an absolute boss. An absolute boss on the other route. She's like, no, I'm Edelgard and this is what we're doing. I'm conquering these places and I'm doing it with or without you. That's the Edelgard guy I would have liked to see in the Crimson Flower route, but instead in the Crimson Flower route, we get this Edelgard who's just like, Oh, Byleth, I can't do this without you. I made this drawing of you, but don't look at it. And I'm embarrassed. A little Sunder-like, or Sundere, however you'd want to say it. They, they undercut her character so much. So let's go to that scene where, okay, she announces the war. She's like, I'm coming for you. I am going to bring the war to you. And then after that, we have the invasion and then Byleth goes missing for five years in the other route. But in Crimson Flower, right after declaring the war, she meets up with everyone and she's like, oh gosh, I guess I, I kind of did a good job, I guess. And something else that also hurts that scene, one is the music choice, because it plays like the lighthearted version of the main theme. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, Edelgard, wow, great. So it's the music, it's the tone, first of all, it's the tone of that scene. With Edelgard being, you know, kind of shy and bashful that she just declared war. Two, the music choice. And number three, everyone around her. Other than Hubert. I almost feel like, save for probably Dorothea, maybe Petra, everyone should have been in on it. Like, the whole thing should have been like, the Black Eagles are in on this together. Because they've been oppressed together. So when like the big war thing happens, everyone comes off like shocked, or I'm not shocked, but everyone's like, yeah, you know, we were tired of the church's oppression and suppression and lack of action against those that slew them in the dark. So it's time, you know, of course, on the silver snow, you kind of flip that around and where the part, the former black Eagles could be like, you know, we wanted to do it, but everyone at the Academy and the people that we've met, you know, we're not talking about silver snow, but that's just, that just came to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, like with the black, with the crimson flower route, I almost wish that they, it had just been like you, Edelgard and Hubert, even against the rest of the black Eagles. Like I wish they could have incorporated like the characters that we barely see with the, a lot of Slava, Randolph and Medity. They could have just added more black Eagle students or, addressing empire soldiers who 
could have joined you in that route. There, there's so much they could have done with this, but they didn't. Yeah, because characters like um, Lot, Lottie Slava, Flick, Rand, Randall, Randolph, Randolph, I believe. Yeah, Randolph. They make them in the other routes. They make them seem like, oh man, they were these were like Edelgard's people, you know. But um, they're just kind of nothing in the Crimson Flower route. You don't even get them as characters. And they clearly have connections like Lottie Slava and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's hinted at or maybe I just read into it wrong, but it seems like her and Ferdinand von Eyer had had like a relationship during the time skip because he's like heartbroken when she dies. There's so many big, bigger and little things with this route that I wish were changed. The one thing I will say, there's one thing that this route did do well that I wish they could have expanded on. One thing that I think would have made this route better. When you form like the Black Eagle Strike Force and your pre-time skip, when you're about to do the assault on the church, all of a sudden your preparation screen isn't in the monastery anymore. You're you're in this weird cave or something. You're like you feel like you truly are a strike force on the outskirts. You are the underdog about to go against the big evil church army, and it has a great feel to it that you don't get in before any other battle in the entire game. And they and, well, they do it once, and that's after Edelgard declares war, and that you never see that area again. I know. I that's what I wish the Crimson Flower route had been. In in retrospect, from my perspective, I wish it had truly been. We are the Black Eagle Strike Force, and for and we are on the outskirts of the church. We might be on the outskirts of our country because we. I don't trust the the nobles who are manipulating, are who manipulated our father. It should have been. Edelgard and this elite force of the Black Eagle students, the group of us together, we are going to change the world. We are a guerrilla army, and we're going to change the world that way. We're going to take down those who slither in the dark. We're going to take down the church. And it, I wish it had had that more intimate guerrilla-style army feel because it feels like that's how it is, but Edelgard still has the full army behind her. So it's just like, we're not the small force. I've seen this army dominate in the other branches. I, we're not the underdogs here. It, it, we, what you wanted to do is build an army. I know. Trust nobody. <laughs> Fire Emblem. Exactly. That's what Fire <laughs> Emblem is. Oh, my goodness. I d- it didn't even connect until now. <laughs> the advertisements for Fire Emblem 7 were right. They had it right all along. But yeah, I agree with that too. It should have been uh, an Edelgard against the world sort of sort of deal. And you know what I think? This is going to this is going to get me some heat, and that's okay because you can direct all your heat at Emblem Supports on Twitter. Um, I think if you cut out one of the roots and then use whatever writing resources, whatever voice acting resources, whatever support resources, you take all of that writing. And you could you could absorb that and split it between just two roots. You don't need four roots; just take two. And the root that I would cut, honestly, is the golden deer. You no? How dare you? Let me explain. I cut golden deer, but I save Claude for another game. Oh God, I can already hear him. I can hear him outside. We might have to end this recording. I I can see the torches. Okay. Get out here! Oh no. They've got me. <laughs> but no, I think like, I think if you take the character of Claude, take everything that he wants to do, 
You could even take those same characters. You can put them in a completely different game. You would still have those characters eventually, but just not this game. Because I don't think this game needed four roots. You cut Silver Snow. You cut um, the Golden Deer. And then you just have the two roots. And that's it. And I say that as someone who loves Claude. I understand what you're saying, but I think the sort of outsider's perspective that Claude brings to this is very important and adds so much to this world and makes it not just sort of the generic, the blue army versus the red army. that so many, not just Fire Emblem games, so many other just games are. Yeah, I think true. Claude adds that element that separates this and makes it a little bit more special. So I strongly disagree with you there, although Silver Snow could just be cut. Okay, so we'll cut Silver Snow, but we'll leave Claude. We'll, we'll yeah, compromise. Claude's, Claude, I think I do believe Claude is really important to this story, as as we talked about when we did our Claude podcast. Yeah, but man, just thinking about Claude just is t- taking me back to Silver Snow and making me more mad because you have the fight with Claude and it, it produces my favorite moment from that route, literally my favorite moment of that from that route where I killed Hilda. And Claude has that moment of, no, you were supposed to run. We talked talked about messed up tones, right? Yeah. Because the whole tone of that scene is Claude being super sorrowful. And we we know. We know that Claude and Hilda, I'm putting my my two fingers together, they're like that. They, it, it is literally my favorite moment in the game, that heartbreaking moment. I was just like, wait, we're seeing the wall. We just saw the walls come down on on Claude. We've never seen him act like this. Just that moment of, no, you were supposed to run. And then you beat Claude, and at the end of that chapter, it's just like, eh, do you want to kill me or spare me? I'm just going to go either I'm just going to go back to my homeland. Whatever. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm going to go. That Hilda thing, don't worry about it. It was sad, but whatever, yo. Yep, doesn't matter. Yeah. In the uh, end, take my bow. Matter. Goodbye. Yeah. Whether you kill him or spare him, that just doesn't matter. It, it poor Dimitri doesn't even get that that much of a thing to happen because it's just like Edelgard just automatically just straight up kills him because she's just determined Dimitri must die because he has two eyes and that's wrong in this route. And he still didn't comb his hair. Mm-hmm. At least, at least I, before he's a little disheveled because he's a mess, but now he's an okay dude. But it's like, eh, he got two eyes. I'm going back to go and be positive again about this route. The other, my other favorite moment of this route, much like the Hilda moment, you have the big, not the final confrontation, but a big confrontation where you're in the forest. It's the Black Eagle strike force against the armies of Rhea and Dimitri all in this one epic, dark, rainy battlefield. The church has those crazy dolls out to fight you. And then the dude's in the middle of the army, in the middle of the map. He's looking like a big, nasty guy. You're going to have to take him down. And all of a sudden, if enough turns pass and you don't really fight, if you don't really fight uh, to do, did I say to me? I don't know if I was saying the right person. If you don't fight to do, Dudu straight up turns into one of the beasts because he's doing this for Dimitri, and Dimitri freaks out, reasonably so, and you have to kill him. And it's just like, it's such, 
there's so many good moments in this round where you see the promise of the three houses fighting each other fulfilled. That is when this game is at its best, but the reasoning for their conflict just never quite adds up and it frustrates me because it's almost amazing. Yeah. It's it's so lackluster, unfortunately. And it hurts me because I, I still really like Edelgard as a character. She's still one of my favorite... I She might actually be one of my favorite lords still. She's that awesome. Even though we have a thousand complaints about her, we're just like, yeah, but you're awesome. We forgive you. <laughs> yeah, but I think... Well, I think if she only had one root and it was this one, we probably wouldn't be so forgiving, but... She has three other routes to play the big bad, and I think that really helps her character. Mm-hmm. And she's a Digimon. <laughs> she truly is. Uh, one other thing. Th- this isn't about Edelgard. This is about the route. How could they not have a cutscene for the time skip? The time skip. The other routes have the cutscene where it's the final battle and. Rhea has to turn into a, the dragon to fight off the Adrestian army. In the Black Eagle route, there's no cutscene there. All of a sudden, it's just like, oh, the castle is collapsing. Professor! Five years later, you're woken up by that random guy. Mm, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's, com- it's coming back to me. There's zero cutscene there. There is no transition. Wait, no, there there is that transition where it's just like, that where it brings up the map and says, five years have passed. Edelgard is attempting to unite Foldlin. Not, not take down the church, not take down all the crests, not take down all the crests or anything, not take down Slither in the Dark. Her quest is to unite Foldlin, thanks to the map overlay guy, aka our father, telling us this. And, it, and, and that's just another thing that's just like, wait, that's going against kind of what Edelgard's telling me. Why, why am I sympathizing with someone who uses terminology like Unite fold them. Those are scary words. I don't like those words. Yeah. I mean, I think we've said all we can say about how bad the Crimson Flower Root is. Would I play it again? Eh. I'll, I'll play it again one day. It's just yeah. like, I don't desire to play it. I would play the Blue Lions or the Golden Deer route every time over it. I, I'd, I think I'd still play Crimson Flower over Silver Snow, though, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, the way I see it, it's Blue Lions, and we keep interchanging these names, but you all know what it is. It's Dimitri and the Blue Lions, Claude and the Golden Deer, Edelgard the Crimson Flower, Sedith and the Church. So, I mean, to sort of wrap things up, we have a support that we decided to do. When I was looking through our supports, I realized... Okay, so we've done a male-male support, we've done male-female support, but we've never done a female and female support. So I was just like, we're completely missing out here on something. So, relevant to our interests, I decided, let's give let's give one to two characters that have something similar about them. Edelgard and Lysithia. Dot, dot, dot. Lysithia, are you alright? You don't look well. Huh? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. Really? Just... Not accustomed to so much manual labor. You were cleaning the library all by yourself? Yes. The other student who was assigned to tidy up with me wasn't feeling well, so it's just me. I figured I could at least dust the bookshelves or something, but I uh, I got a little carried away. So many books. You probably tired yourself out just moving them from the shelves. 
As much as I love books, I can't say I love carrying stacks of them to and fro. They're so heavy. Well, maybe you should think things through a little through a little more next time. Surely you can tell how much physical strength a job is going to require before you begin. I can do without the condescension, thanks. After all, I'm the only one who has to deal with the fact that I've worn myself out. I only said that you should take care of yourself, especially considering... Considering what? Nothing. Never mind. How about you return to your quarters? I'll finish cleaning up in here. But I want to finish what I started. I don't mind, really. Please don't make me repeat myself. Ugh, fine. As long as you'll finish all this up. I will. Get some rest, okay? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. If what I heard about Lysithia is true, hmm, I just don't know how much of it I should believe. Mystery, intrigue from the sea support. Not only that, it doesn't fall into the trap that some of the other sea supports do in this game, where it's just tropes, the the character's biggest tropes. It, it's not. This isn't all Lysithia talking about sweets or yelling at people for underestimating her because of her age. Just, just like Lysithia is just like, yeah, I'm tired from carrying around books. And it's just like, yeah, I'm okay with something as simple as that. It's it's real, too. Like, it's two real people talking about a real thing that could actually happen. And something else is, is like, so if you got Edelgard's C support and her C plus support, and then you get this support, it's like, wait a sec. Okay. On the flip side of that, if you've never seen Edelgard's C or C plus support, but you do have Lysithia's story from, like, what happened to her and other supports, you go, oh, okay, hold on a sec. Are we hitting at something for Edelgard? So you kind of have, like, this dual mystery going on just from the C support alone. Very good C support. I'm very happy with it. On to the B. Edelgard, do you have a minute? You want to speak with me? How unusual. Please, come in. I'll prepare some tea for us. Have a seat. Would you like some cake? Oh, yes, please. I never say no to sweets. They're from Inbar. A little too sweet for my own liking. Isn't that the whole point of cake? Well, more for me. Mm, these are fantastic with his tea. <laughs> True. Well, there's no shortage of them. Help yourself to as many as you like. Now then, you wish to speak with me? Mm, mm. So I can can tell I can tell you know a fair bit about me. Mm. Maybe this can wait until you're finished eating. Mm. Edelgard, you know a fair bit about me, don't you? What in particular? For example, the fact that I have two crests. Oh, that's hard to believe. No need to play coy with me. It won't work. It's clear my body has come to the intense pressure of bearing two crests. Due to the immense requirements of bearing these crests, my life expectancy is painfully short. You all, you know all this, right? Actually, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. How would I know unless you told me? Still won't drop the act, huh? Despite how obviously you've been with your concern about my health? You're certainly consistent. I'm not really in the mood for these games. Given your rank, you certainly have access to all kinds of information that others do not. Clearly, you'd have heard all about me. Either way, I now know since you just told me about your two crests, 
your physical weakness, and your short life expectancy. However, according to the principles of crest research, it's impossible to bear two crests unless you've undergone a blood reconstruction surgery. Is that the case, Lysithia? Correct. It wasn't as though I had any say in any of this. I see. So you've lived through that relentless terror and agony and survived. You speak of all this as though you understand it on a personal level. Edelgard, have you ever... You're a good friend, Lysithia, and a valuable member of this army, so I won't have you overexerting yourself. I don't want to lose you, understand? I understand. <laughs> a good girl. Oh, and if you like those cakes, why not take some with you for later? There's no need to pander to me, but... Yes, I'll take those, thanks. Hmm. The bee kind of, uh... The bee is very interesting because we see Edelgard basically kind of playing coy, and she ends up fishing that information out of Lysithia. And, she, and Lysithia is smart enough to know that Edelgard is playing coy and is tr trying to call her out on it, but isn't getting the answer she wants. But she is getting the cake she wants. That's also important. I, I have a line here that just says, I see, so you've lived through that relentless terror and agony and survived. And right then and there, like, again, going back to one of the scenarios I kind of put forth, if you don't know about Edelgard's C&C Plus support, it kind of gets your gears in your mind thinking, like, okay, wait, what is Edelgard talking about? Because I think in Lysithia's story overall, I think the only thing that you know is that she has two crests. I don't think they go into the details of how she has two crests. I could be wrong, though, because this game is just so huge. It's not gone over in many rounds, in many conversations. I struggling to think of one that really dives deep into it. I know at one point there's a conversation or something, it may be with Byleth, where she just says they exper experimented on me and then one day they smiled and said, that's it. And then they left and that was it. But I don't think we, they don't go into like the gruesome detail that, you know, Edelgard CNC plus supports go in. And on to the A. How are you today, Lysithia? Fine, thank you. And yourself? Quite well, thank you. I overheard something recently. Something pertaining to you and your vision of, for the future. Is it really true you intend to make a world in which crests no longer exist? It's true. My aim is to dismantle the current system of aristocracy. The only reason nobles enjoy the status they do is because their bloodlines carry crests. If crests lose their value, so will the titles of nobility. I really agree with your thinking. My parents have suffered throughout their life due to their nobility. Due to my own crest, I've never been able to live a normal life. I'm sick of nobility and crest, of all of it. It sounds as if it's truly your mission to change things. I'll pledge my life to your cause, however short it may be. Lysithia. Has your hair always been that color, by the way? Huh? I ask because... Mine wasn't always this color. I lost all pigment after receiving my two crests. Edelgard, I want a world where people like you and I are no longer victimized. I want you to bring that world into being. If it's within me to help that come to pass, then I'll do whatever it takes. Understood. I promise to do all I can to see this goal to fruition. And I want you to promise me something in return. That you will never stop fighting for your life. Whatever terrible fate awaits us, we can fight it and prevail. 
I need you to trust me on that. Do you promise? I, I promise. I will try my best to believe that. <laughs> Good girl. Now then, would you care for a sweet cake? Uh, please don't call me that. But yes. Yes, I would. Amazing A support. I love it. We get Lysithia sort of... We see that she's sort of figuring out what's Edelgard's deal with her hair color and trying to solve the mystery on her own. So much so much is added to the support if you have the knowledge, the knowledge bases of other roots. If you've played the Blue Lions, you know that no, Edelgard's natural hair color is like a dark or a, a light brown, I think. Yes. I can't remember because I think there's like a filter over the screen at the time, but it's it's some version it, of it's brown. It's brown, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we know um, her hair is brown, but Edelgard never says anything like it. But there is a line here, and I think about this because I'm thinking, okay, if Lys- surely Lysithia and Edelgard are not the only two people that were ever experimented on. Obviously, we know about Edelgard's siblings as we've, as we've hammered that in today's episode. But you think about everyone else, and Lysithia says... I ask because mine... I'm sorry. She goes, I lost all pigment after receiving my two crests. I want a world where people like you and I are no longer victimized. And that summarizes the entirety of what Edelgard wants. This conversation does better to explain why she wants to get rid of crests than just about any other conversation she really has. Even her own conversation where she goes into the horrors of that past with Byleth. This conversation encapsulates it better than she does. It's 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 a great support, and I'm absolutely I'm thrilled that I actually got to see this support happen on my playthrough when I played Crimson Flower. Um, now I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to read you out their their paired ending. After the war, Edelgard and Lysithia threw themselves into the fight with those that slither in the dark. The struggle was long and arduous, but not without its benefits. With careful analysis of ancient techniques, they discovered ways to recover the years of their life that had been stolen from them. Afterwards, the new Adrestian emperor and Lysithia, her trusted officer, devoted the rest of their lives to Fodland's rule. For her counsel in instituting class reforms and ensuring the independence of the people, Lysithia came to be known as the wisdom of the empire. The pair of talented women ushered Fodland into a new age of innovation and prosperity. Be a real shame if we got to actually see them fight those who slither in the dark. That's that's one of the reasons why I was just like, if if you dissolved Golden Deer... You could have Lysithia by default in Black Eagles. And there you would have more than one person who had been victimized by those that slow there in the dark. But but we can talk about Fire Emblem games, including different ones. And with that, we're going to jump into our playthrough of Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. Chapter 14. Training. It's time for a doozy of a scene because we've got Sanaki, the the leader of Vinyon, basically holding our feet to the fire, asking us for proof of Valencia. But our good boy Ike is there. He is there to vouch because he knows the truth. He knows that Valencia is a good person and she would not lie about being the real princess. Like, they straight up tell him, hey, you know, Ike, you're just a commoner, a common mercenary, my my dude. You've got no surname, no documented lineages. You have 
nothing. She also talks, she pretty much talks down to him and says, hey, you know, commoners report him will believe any outlandish lie. And it's pretty easy to kind of see that perspective because no one knows that Alencia is actually the princess of Crimea outside like a small group of people. And more than likely, those people have been slaughtered or killed by Ashnard. And we saw it, I want to say, last time or even maybe the time before where those dudes were like, oh yeah, that group, they went over there. And then um, that day in soldiers like, you realize you just sold out your own princess, right? And they're like, excuse me, what? I, I love this scene so much because we're seeing this from Mike's perspective and it's so frustrating because we're seeing Sonicy play these stupid political Game of Thrones style games and we've got those senators there just laughing at us just mocking us at every turn and you get why Ike is so frustrated but you see why it's so wrong for him to just reach out and slap Sonicy like you might feel like you want to but ah it's it's such a great scene. And they're talking down to her, you know, so much. And like it it's so Ika's Ika stood up for her so defiantly that it actually shocks Alencia. And Ike, you know, eventually like it comes down to oh yeah, we we got you we got you mad on purpose. Sephron, who is actually a servant of Sonicis, he already vouched for you, you guys are good. The other senators have a go and start laughing. Ike gets him. Ike gets him. I took screenshots on my phone of this. Ike goes, What is the meaning of this? You knew Alentia was Princess Crimea? And you continue to humiliate her for your own entertainment? For some stupid game of wits and words? This is no joke. Alentia's homeland is lost to her. Her family has been hunted down and killed by the monsters of Dan. And with nowhere else to run, she endures mortal danger and terrible heartbreak to reach your door. And you laugh at her? Where's the humor in that? Where is your decency? You're horrible. You're all horrible people. You disgust me beyond words, and you owe Alencia a proper apology. I guess so. I love Ike. Nowadays, because people have only played Smash Brothers and saw brief glimpses, brief cameos of him in other games, they go, Ike's kind of boring, huh? He doesn't really have much of a personality, huh? Ike stands up for justice. He stands up for what he knows is honestly the truth, and he does not want to deal with your political BS. He's not going to. It's so wonderful to see. Sonicy basically has to calm that situation down because, you know, she basically says, hey, without Binyon's support, Lintia's claim to the throne is nothing. You know, quote, Sonaki. Even if we harm her fragile feelings for the sake of her country's future, she must stand by and say nothing. In fact, she is in no position to do anything but beg for Binyon's favor. So basically, Sonic is saying, hey, it doesn't matter how you feel. You will beg at my feet, no matter what, just to get your kingdom back. It matters not to me. F your feelings, basically. It's... I it's such a great scene. I love it from everyone's perspective. And it's, uh, it's so wonderful. And eventually everything finally starts to die down. Everyone's calm. And Sonic, just says, Hey, Ike, you and your company get, while you're here, do me some favors. Basically says that and sends Ike on a mission without really telling Ike what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, but before, well, a little bit before that, you know, Ike does apologize to Alencia, and you know, she says, you know, don't be sorry, you know. Um, to her, what Ike said in her defense, 
and and her honor pleased her. It filled. She says that it filled her heart. And Alentia says that she actually did have people to turn to. The mercenaries have been her hope and inspiration this entire time. So we get like this nice thing with with her too. So it's it's not a one one way thing where Ike's just being the the super. Oh, you know, everything has a purpose here in this scene. Before you um. Before before we move on to the actual map part of this <laughs> map part of this, I sent Cardwiz a DM. I'm like Cardwiz, I have just started chapter fourteen. I haven't reached the bell yet, and I've already taken like a page and a half of notes. To be fair, like I said, yeah, it's a really good opening scene. Onto that map. Nothing really special about this map. You start at the bottom. Top right is the boss. Top left is a house, and there's a person you recruit on the way. And oh, you see this cutscene of this pink-haired guy apparently he's gambled himself into debt if only his sister marcia would be able to get him out of this first off joshua would never <laughs> second of all i lost marcia a few chapters back so no makalov for me yeah i i recruited makalov to join the company and it's just like i'm never gonna use you dude i i've tried to use him a couple of times including this time but just like He's just never gotten good levels for me. Sorry, Makalov, you're at the bench. Also, this map takes place on the Old Town Road, so... Well, I'm gonna take my mercs to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna fight till I can't no more. Is that a reference to something? It is. They'll get it. One other thing worth noting. Uh, the boss, it has a beautiful purple mullet and purple mustache by the name of Gashalama. And he's he's summoning Lagoos to help him out. Feral Lagoos. Oh boy, some this ain't good. It, we Ike doesn't see it, but we see in a cutscene. Oh, he's selling Lagoos. This is bad. Yeah, they don't like outright say it, but the fact that the crates that they grab are really heavy and kind of shaking and making noise and stuff, you can kind of put two and two together. Simple battle, able to beat it, no problem. And it's time for a cutscene. That was glorious GameCube cutscenes. I don't think this cutscene is that is that is really so bad. Like you, it, it's it's leg, actually legitimately a good cutscene. We get we get to see the Lagoose transformation scene, and it actually looks really cool. Watching like sandals develop out of nowhere, and it's just like we we actually see the transformation. It's a cool looking transformation. I'm not going to make fun of it. The the only thing I make fun about this game and its cutscenes for is the voice acting. Sorry. But the actual looks of the cutscenes are actually really good, I think. You'll probably notice I haven't been putting cutscene audio for the listeners. I haven't been putting in cutscene audio for this game. It's because the English mixing for the cutscenes is really bad. Like sometimes the songs are the songs the sound effects are really high, but then the English voices they really don't know and you can't hear them. So there's no point for me picking the, the um put them in. We have arrived at the Council of the Lagoos Kings. And this is the first time the Lagoos Kings have gotten together in, what will they say, like 500 years? Something like that? I don't think it was that, but they said it was decades, I believe. Okay, it was. it's it's definitely been a long time since all the Lagoos Kings have gotten together, and they kind of give us a rundown on what's happening. Yep, we learn that the Ravens are gathering gold to expand. We learn that the pirate, the Hawks are just berating Benyon for what happened to the herons in Serenus Forest. 
and the leader of the dragons, Dagensia. Steve Harvey. Yeah, he he looks like Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> he he says that they should not align or with anyone, or Binyon might side with Dane and just commit full war against the Lagoos. And of course, they also mention the medallion. Dun dun dun. With that, we move on to chapter 15, The Feral Frontier. Race and the Heron is visiting his good friend Nasala. What could possibly go wrong when you're visiting your good friend, the Raven King? I'm sure nothing. Something a little interesting, though, like we actually learned that Raisin's father is actually uh, bedridden after the Serene's Forest Massacre, which is interesting because... And I'm I'm jumping way ahead to something we're not even going to get into, but like we never actually see Raisin's father either here or in Radiant Dawn. But someone we do get to see, we get to see the Duke, the our big sloppy looking jerk of a Duke who has apparently been selling or has been buying stolen art from Nasala, and he has a special offer. Of some sort, but we'll get to that, to, to that later. Hmm. We go back to our camp. We Ike has a conversation with Sigrun. We learn that she's nice because she calls them Lugus and not subhumans. That's all I had for, for her. I also think oh. she has a very nice design. Like, her hair is like a beautiful seafoam green, and because she's a holy knight of um, Binyon, she has like white and silver armor. She looks really good. She really is a really good design. It's just, I wish we got her sooner in the game. I think she's bad in this and Radiant Dawn. I think Radiant Dawn's more of an availability thing, but her stats are just not that good. Yeah. She's a good design. Like She really reminds me of uh, of Rhea when she's in uh, ah, her Saros knight armor. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh recommended thing to go look at. Go look up her... Like, she doesn't have a regular unit in Fire Emblem Heroes. She has a wedding dress alt, and it's really good looking. Other conversations that we have in the camp, if you recruit Makalov, Ike says he pay, he's paid off his debt. But now he owes a debt to the ground mercenaries. You better not run. You better fight when we tell you to fight. But luckily for Makalov, I'm not going to tell him to fight because I don't like him that much as a unit. Ike, you're paying the man to do nothing. Ike's not, Ike's not a businessman. Come on. I, I think I'm starting to see sh- why Shinnan just quit the company. Ike's not the best businessman. Anyway, uh, Sonaki has asked us to go on another mission. There's a group of these who have been breaking into Binyon residences and stealing something. We don't really know what they're stealing, but eh, let's go to a desert map. I can't wait to bring my horses. Yeah, no, this is this this is Soth's time to shine. Soth just move around the map. While I look up online where all the hidden stuff is. I'm so surprised you're, you're still using Soth. I just straight up had him on this map just to be find stuff. I didn't, he didn't battle once. He's just the move around and find stuff guy. Okay, good. But we come across an orange hooded leader and a bunch of lagoos, including a lagoos who does not seem to want to transform back into a human for, into a humanoid form i move around the map i have a good time i pick up all the hidden items i recruit the sword master guy in the top right even though i have no intention of using him and i also get boyd hit by a stupid crit from a stupid bird goodbye boyd 
Now you know how I feel. Yeah, it was it was just it was bad times. But overall, actually, I did have a panic moment at the end of this map because I think I spent like forty five minutes on this map, and at the end of it, Ike was within like very close to dying, and I was just literally went to the convoy and just like get the stat boosting item so you can live. <laughs> so uh, this chapter, I kind of just buffed up Ike, even though I wasn't really planning to, but. I was in a perilous situation at one point. Oh, wait till he promotes. He's going to be busted. Oh, he will be. I can't wait. I think that's coming up soon. I, f- I forget what exactly chapter he does, but but on our next playthrough, he'll definitely promote, I'm pretty sure. But uh, we have beaten Marim, the green the green saber-toothed tiger, and Tormod comes out to fight for him. Uh, turns out Tormod, the small orange hooded child and Maureen had been fighting against Binyon slavers. Even though slavery was made illegal 20 years ago, nobles are still keeping them. So Tormod and Maureen are freeing them. And because the nobles don't want it to be known, Tormod's Lagoo's emancipation army gets branded as outlaws and criminals. We managed to all talk it out. We realized we're all good guys here. We recruit them to the army. Let's go figure out what's going on over there with the uh, racing and Nasala. And Nasala takes race into the Serenus Forest, which was destroyed by the humans because humans are jerks. <laughs> Raisin's actually so mad he ends up speaking in the ancient tongue. Nasala manages to calm him down. He tells Raisin, hey, let's just go over to this human's house and just sleep. Oh, wait, no, it's a, it's a plot to kidnap Raisin. That, dang it, Nasala. Surprise! Your best friend has sold you into slavery. Dang it, Nasala, you're the worst. He really is the worst. <laughs> he said, hey, he said, Rayson, I haven't seen you in 20 years. First of all, let's go hang out. Cool. Let's go see where all your, you know, bird bird friends died. Cool. And then, to top it all off, I'm going to sell you to a fat man. Uh... <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> Nassau is just Nassau is just a jerk. He's the biggest evil troll. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's let's save ourselves a bird friend. <laughs> Chapter sixteen, the atonement. So Bishop Oliver has taken Rayson. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay though, because Rayson punches him in the face. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But uh, uh, Oliver is just like, don't hurt a hair on him. Just don't hurt a feather. Oh, he, he might, I think Oliver might be into that, but we don't have to get into that. I don't want to get into that ever. Yeah, like, it's, it's it actually says right here, it's not my notes, but like, royal hair and lagoos, they, they kind of differ from other hair and lagoos and the fact that their skin is so white. They basically kind of, like, it almost looks like they sparkle a little bit. And they also have like light blonde hair and stuff like that too. They look, they're basically what you would think a, an angel looks like. Back with, back into the capital of Binyon, Ike has brought Tormod to Sonaki to explain all of the thievery going on. But turns out Sonaki has been playing her Game of Thrones. She knows exactly what's been going on. And she sends us on another mission to end slavery. And if we end slavery, she'll support Alencia. 
Mm, yep. We also get uh, an info tab here once we jump ahead, um, where Miriam talks about his his past as a slave. It's pretty powerful. He basically talks about you know. I wish I I wish I had written it down, but he just says a lot. But he, again, he talks about his past as a slave, and it's not it's not good. We investigate the Duke, and turns out Miss and Titania see Rayson trying to jump out a window. In my mind. Because they say that, you know, a heron escaped and said, Remember the genocide! And for some reason, in my mind, I have like this Venture Brothers thing in my mind where I just see someone diving out of a window saying, Remember the genocide! And then flying off in a comedic fashion. Which I think... Is not what they intended. What they should have had done is that you have Race and he's standing on the windowsill and he's looking down and he's saying, Remember. Remember that the genocide that the humans did to us. Then he should fly off. But just But just the way they Remember word the it, genocide <laughs> But just the way they word it just makes it sound like it's comedic. It's not intended to be, but you know. We've seen too much. Time to fight a duke as we try to break into his house. Uh, turns out one of the soldiers who's guarding in uh, the Duke's house is someone named uh, stupid. His name is Devden, but my autocorrect has decided that his name is Deacon. Uh, yeah, Deacon. He, we don't get much about him, but I believe he says something prior to the map. He's like, I don't want to hurt kids. So there's your hint. Talk to him with some with one of your kid units. Yeah, I didn't actually pick up on this. I was looking through my units and I was just like, I have no idea who to recruit him with because he didn't, because a lot of times with the Fire Emblem games from this era, they'll say something like, oh man, I don't, or like you mentioned with Makalov where he goes, oh, if only my sister Marcia could get me out of this. Or like in Fire Emblem 7 where, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Guy or Guy, whatever his name is, he goes, man, that dude Matthew, I kind of owe him some food money or something. And you're like, oh, okay, Matthew. Okay, Marcia. But here, because there was no name, I was just like, well, I guess I'll try to recruit him with Ike. And that wasn't it. So rest in peace, Devdan. Yeah, he's. I, I don't care about his character, so he's probably going to stay on my bench forever. Met, simple map. It's inside. You start at the bottom. You go around turns and corners, and there are two chest rooms. You can go into them beat up people. You shouldn't have problems on this map. <sighs> we see that Oliver tries to gra- grab race and, and run, but he, he managed to get away himself. Did that sentence make sense? Yeah, yeah. He my, is, my, he... my brain blacked out for a second. <laughs> no, it's fine. He, uh, Oliver basically escapes into the Serenus Forest because they're going to because Rayson's also escaped into the Serenus Forest and he's like, I have to have him, so men, let's go. And Ike doesn't like what he's hearing about Serenus Forest. So Ike being Ike runs straight to Sonic and he's like, what the heck happened? Oh, he's pissed again. <laughs> Ike just, Ike, Ike just hates Binyon. He is not having a good time. We hear from our buddy Nasir who's, oh yeah, you're, you're still with us and you're, you're having a weirdly large, important role here, but he manages to tell us that 20 years ago, the previous apostle was killed, and the herons and all those who lived in Serenus were blamed. And so the people burned down Serenus Forest. 
and it would never be seen of again until it came back as a website. Yeah, and the, ever since then, the Hawks have just been attacking Benyon for the revenge whenever they get the chance. And Sonaki hires us for one more mission. It's time to find Rayson so she can talk with him. Chapter 17. Daybreaks. We got an interesting little piece here from Jill on the info tab where she finally figures out, you know, holy crap, all the stuff that I've learned about Lagoos is wrong. And she basically goes through everything that she grew up with Dane believing. You know, she mentions something along the lines of that, you know, hey, when we're little, we're taught that subhumans are evil. Subhumans are the enemy. Subhumans are savages and stuff like that. And, you know, she basically has a, you know, she she has a breakthrough right here. And she's like, I get it. This is not at all what I thought. And for this just to be in an info tab, her talking with Ike, she's, it's an amazing character development. And it is super necessary because until this moment, you've had her for like four chapters now. So it's still like, why are you hanging out with us? You're super racist from the enemy army. Why are you just here? But but we, we got this much needed info tab, this much needed talk with her. And honestly, it kind of weirdly means a lot. I, here's what, what the only thing I would edit with Jill in this situation. I wish you had recruited her, but you couldn't use her. And that like, she was sort of not quite like a prisoner of war for you guys, but not just fighting alongside you all the time. Well, in this game, in this game, you get uh, yellow units that you can actually order around. You can actually order them like to and throw without actually saying, okay, go here, attack this person. You can basically uh, say, okay, Yellow units go to this area, and they'll go to that area, and they might attack or fight somebody if they're there. It should have been something like that. Yeah, because it this means more because it feels like... One thing I like about Path of Radiance, it does feel like a lot of time is passing. So in my mind, it's like Jill's been with us for like a month, and it's taken like a, a month for her to realize, oh, I've been wrong all my life. Actually, going back to one of my previous notes uh, that we didn't actually mention, the, in the meeting of the Laguz Kings, it's been they mentioned that it's been like two months. Yes, I, I love a Path of Radiance how they handle time. It, I love Fire Emblem Seven. It feels kind of like that game takes place over the course of a couple of weeks, and this game feels like this is like taking place over the course of like a year or two, with this epic grand scaling traveling over the world and dealing with things. Yeah, so two months with us, and Jill's basically had her moment where she's like, you know what, this it's not right, and I understand that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Very necessary, and just in time, because it'd be nice to have a flying dragon unit, at wyvern unit, as we enter the Serenus Forest, because some of the ground is burned up and difficult to move around. And now we move on to part one of chapter 17. <laughs> yeah, Card was in the last episode you said, "Oh, what's going to do 14 through 17?" I'm thinking, "Okay, a few easy maps, no problem. I get to chapter 17." Okay, it's part part 1, part 2, part 3, part 4. Oh my god, Card is <laughs> You're a monster and you hurt my feelings. I try. I only get so many times to troll you. This is one of mine. 
Yeah, this map was very, 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 very difficult for me. Not because of anything inherently in the level, it, but because of the whole playing an SD game on an HD TV. Like, most of this map is, one, blurry, and two, gray. Yeah, so it's, I, a, it's a very dark, purpley, blackish map, and it could be difficult to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't tell, like, what were, like, impassable objects and what were passable objects sometimes, which led me to a few deaths. We have four stages to this map. First stage goes smoothly. You got your small army, just move through, beating up bad guys. Stage two happens, and we start to see the gimmick of this, because in stage two, you get two reinforcements, but they are reinforcements, so they're sort of running through behind you, so you don't get them for a couple of turns. I, I wish that Fire Emblem did this again. I don't... This is the only map I can think of where something like this happens, and it's, it's just a cool mechanic that I really enjoyed. I don't think I don't even think it happens in Radiant Dawn. Mm-hmm. As far as the story goes, in after Chapter Two, we see that Rayson has says he's going to use his voice to destroy the humans. Apparently, he has that power, and there's an altar in the Serenus Forest that will let him do that. Hopefully, we can stop him. As we get to Stage Three, we find some white feather feathers. Oh, it must be Ray. Oh, wait, no, it's some lady. I don't think Rayson was a lady. Was he? Oh, no, her name's Leanne. It says so on the title, on her on her name beside her picture. Probably one of the prettiest Fire Emblem characters. If Rayson was supposed to look like an angel, Leanne probably literally is an angel. She's what you imagine an angel actually looking like. And us finding her adds a new mechanic to the game. because Not to the game, but a new gimmick to this map because Ike decides I'm going to care here for the rest of the time and you can't drop her. So hopefully your Ike has enough speed to make up for it or doesn't get in a lot of battles because otherwise he might be in trouble. And there are problems in the next map that in the next part of the map, because stage four, there are meteors. Oh, meteor man. He got me good. In part one, I had Reese die. Uh, oh Yeah. I was upset about this. Time to level up Mist. He was, Reese was like level 15 and I was just like, I was, I was thinking, I was just like, okay, next map after this, I'm totally going to go ahead and pull the trigger because I've got a master seal I can use on him and most, and a good number of my units are starting to hit that level 21 automatic class up cap. But with the mages, especially back then, Path of Radiance, Sacred Stones, etc., it always takes a ton of time for like, the staff units to level up. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to make him his upgraded class. Not happening now. Time for Mist to save the day. Yeah, she's a little... I'm going to, I'm going to catch her up with bonus experience. Uh, but Gatry died, thanks to the Meteor Man. And so I thought, let's bring out Braum? I don't know why I did this. But surprise, he also died by... The Meteor Man. <laughs> so three dead on this chapter that I did not know was four parts. Thank you, Cardwiz. I do my best. We're chasing down bad guys, and the hawks are coming in. They're trying to stop Raisin from unleashing forbidden magic. Oy, this is not looking good. Raisin's going to destroy us all. Who knows how many parts this map has, But and there are meteors falling from the sky. 
bad times, but if you manage to finally get that meteor guy, if you have that flying unit, which helps. Thank you, Jill. Able to stop him, stop the bad guy. The Hawks and Rayson show up. We all see Leanne, and everyone lives happily ever after as Sanaki gets on her knees and apologizes to the Herons for what happened. And obviously you kind of have to think back, you know, where this game originates from in the in the country of Japan where, you know, she's doing like the super, I'm super sorry, that's like a big thing, you know. If you get on your hands and knees and bow, that's a serious thing. One last time before this chapter wraps up, we get another cutscene. And it's a, it's a nice cutscene as Mist and Ike watches the herons sing and bring the force back to life. It's called the Gladder or Gladur of Rebirth. Um, if you actually, I'd actually recommend going out and listen to it. It's actually, it's actually very pretty. It's either that or a song called Life Returns. I can't remember. But the funny thing about this song is that it's actually Japanese in reverse. <laughs> and another kind of little fun fact. Uh, when I spoke of like the whole ancient tongue, it actually does, you can actually take the ancient tongue and actually um, translate into English words. Now, if you notice when you're actually on the file select screen, you see the ancient text just scrolling up and down the screen. Another little fun fact here. If you translate into that into English, it's lines from Hamlet. <laughs> so someone must have been a big Shakespeare fan over there and intelligent systems. Well, we finished up our chapters for Path of Radiance for the day. How many, what do you say? We do another another short section next time. We'll do four more chapters, 18, 18 through 21. Yeah, that sounds fair. I'm sure there will be no shenanigans. I would never do that to you. Never. <laughs> but you know what you should do? You should follow us at Emblem Supports on Twitter, at PlanOrdo on Twitter, and at KD Corley on Twitter. With all that said, chapter complete. Thank you.